Hello and welcome into the second episode of the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm your host, Cade Webb, as always, joined by Dustin Ragusa. It feels very familiar to say that. What's going on, man? It's good to talk to you again. <laughs> Not much. Yeah, glad we made it to uh, episode two. I know there was a lot of doubters and haters, but yep. here we are. The haters of it. which there were many. There's no doubt yeah. about it. We, we've had haters from the jump been telling us we couldn't do this. Uh, well, you know what? We made it to episode two, so it's in your Back face. We, in the words of Les Miles, we're letting it rip. Should we have just, because I, again, we talked about this in, in the first podcast, but w- what episode we ended on on Cowboys Ride for Free, could we have just like picked up this is episode, like we could have just called it like 55, just guess. And, done like, and then done like a recap of that episode. Yeah. It's like talking about corn dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's absolutely perfect. Yeah. The thing about Texas, it's Ellinger and it's all <laughs> about the run game. Uh, no. So the thing that, about Vince Young. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you about that president Barack Obama, by the way, there's something about, (laughs) no, uh, man, it has not been that long. It's, uh, it's good to talk to you again. And, um, yeah, I'm fired up to get into this. This is, um, Oklahoma state football right now. And, and we've, you know, missed some, some lackluster years, you and I, uh, to break down. So, uh, you know, had we been podcasting in 2019 and 2020 and 2018, we would have uh, been recapping seasons of the eight and four and seven and five and nine and four variety. Uh, and right now, Oklahoma State is staring a five and O record, uh, a tie for first in the big 12, uh, a number 12 overall in the country ranking right in the face. And there are still, much like you and I, Dustin, there are still doubters and haters. And for a team that has um, not looked the part at times and then has impressed at times, um, there's still a lot that we may not know. And with, with this team, you know, I think it's important, especially as you and I start this podcast in the middle of the year, like what, what are your stances what do you think about this team right now you've looked at it from a you know a high level and an extremely granular level what are your big takeaways from how this season's gone um and then you know I'll kind of give you mine yeah I mean offensively I think it just took them a little bit to kind of get their identity uh there was a lot of shakeup on the offensive line early it's finally been some continuity now for a few games Spencer Sanders, you know, kind of getting into his groove a little bit and then kind of faltering a little bit against Baylor with the turnovers. Um, And then Jalen Warren kind of coming out of nowhere. I know you and I talked about it. I was able to go to a practice back in the spring and Jalen Warren popped out to me. It it was just something, I mean, I'm not different. Obviously I'm obviously not saying I called it. I still thought it was going to be LD the starter, so that's not what I'm saying at all. But I was like, who is this guy? And then I went no, and did Dustin, it right I, I vividly remember you saying to build the statue. I, you texted me in May and you said, we got to build this guy's statue. That's what you said. No, I mean, he, <laughs> he, just, he just is something to watch with how quick shifty he is and then how powerful. I mean, his thighs are huge, like as big as my body. And the dude just can't be brought down. And I think it just took him a little while to figure out, you know, let's just stick with the zone scheme. Our guys can block it and let's just run the ball and let our defense take care of everything else and try not to turn the ball over. And 
against Boise State and Kansas State, I thought the offense executed well. I know they didn't score in the second half, but that's the game plan. You can tell now that's what Casey Dunn wants to do. Everything's set up from the outside zone. That's what Warren runs. He's able to get good cutbacks, get some great blocking from guys like Braden Cassidy at the Cowboy back position and the offensive lineman, Danny Godlewski at the center, really coming into his own. And they're, they found their identity now. It may not be the most fun thing to watch, but I think, I think they're going to beat some teams by just running the same zone play over and over. And then on the defense side of the ball, I mean, what can you say? They're awesome. Yeah. Jim Knowles is a mastermind. Well, I want to, I want to, before we get into the defense, I, I want to talk a little bit about that. You know, you said that they're going to beat some teams just by running the football. We've already seen it. We've, we've seen that at Boise state. Um, you know, I don't want to give away the farm, but uh, this weekend feels like a similar approach. Um, you know, I think you and I will dive a little bit more into that. You're not going to beat Texas uh, with Spencer Sanders throwing the ball 13 times, but you should be able to find some success on the inside of that defensive line, especially when you factor in their defensive line, not a strength. The interior of the Oklahoma State offensive line, a strength, a very good strength. Um, and again, we're going to dive into all of that. But the interesting thing about this particular matchup, and I, I texted you this, I bounced this off you last night. This is a strength on strength and a weakness on weakness type of matchup. So you've got uh, Oklahoma State's defense, which is, you know, one of the best in the conference, if not the best, and one of the best in, in, in all of college football based on all the key metrics that you'd want to see. They're, they are one of the best, and you kind of hit on that. Um, going up against what is clearly a revamped Texas offense. We, we love, uh, you know, hounding Texas, but to, to sit here and, 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 you know, rag on them without stating the obvious and giving them some credit. I mean, they, they're an explosive team um, with athletes. And to me, it appears that Sark, Steve Sarkeesian, has something going. He's figured something out. What that is, I don't know. But that team has a different look. And then when we go to weakness on weakness, you've got uh, Oklahoma State's offense, who uh, by all accounts has disappointed this year. They've shown flashes, um, especially early on against Baylor. They tend to be really good early in the game and then settle in. Um, but then you look at Texas defense, which by all accounts is one of the worst in the conference. And, and the question obviously becomes, where does this game break? Um, and we'll dive into the offense and defense even deeper uh, here in just a moment. But Dustin, just on that surface, you know, knowing those things, having watched the film, would you agree with that? What, I mean, and, and if you do agree with it, what do you think is the key to the game? Where does Oklahoma State try to exploit Texas? What do you see happening? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. I think, I think they're just going to keep it the same that they've been doing. I think they're going to try to run the football, set up the play-action pass, and I, I don't think Texas is going to completely overhaul their defense. They run a lot of quarters, a lot of cover three match. We'll talk about it in a little bit. They keep their safeties too high, deep off the ball, and we saw OU last week in the Red River uh, shootout go ahead and just bash them with GT guard tackle counter where the guard and the tackle pull around the line box the other way and just gash them when Caleb Williams got in there over and over again. Because when you play that type of defense that Texas does and you have your safeties that far off the ball and not able to fit in the run game quickly, your first and second level guys have to 
run fit perfectly every single time. They can't flow the wrong way. They can't see some of the line going one way for counter and try to come back the other way because they're going to get beat. They've got to attack those pulling linemen. And I know Oklahoma State isn't going to go to the counter game. They're going to run the zone game, but I think they can hurt Texas on the perimeter with their outside zone. And unless, unless Texas does something different and gets better at tackling, I, I'm not sure they're going to be able to completely stop Oklahoma State's run game, and that'll set everything else up. Uh, and, that, and that's one of, one of the things that I, you and I spoke about last night, too. What, one of my big keys to this game is, is obviously the run game. We've already talked about it. Um, but specifically, the inability that Texas has shown consistently, not just last week, um, but all season, to wrap up at the point of contact. I, I texted you this last night. Uh, Kennedy Brooks in the Red River uh, shootout game had 178 yards of his 216 after contact. So the vast majority of his rushing yards came after contact. And, you know, he had that long chunk run for 60 yards or whatever that was with a couple of broken tackles at the, at the line of scrimmage. But what you're seeing is a strong, and I, I'm drawing a comparison here. I'm not saying uh, Jalen Warren's Kennedy Brooks, but bear with me for a second because I'm going yeah. to say that Kennedy Brooks and Jalen Warren aren't that different. You've got a, a, a running back who's very low to the ground, who's got a low center of gravity, who has shown time and time again that he's not going down on first contact. Um, to me, that was the thing in, in looking at film. I told you the games I watched, um, and I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a film junkie. I got a two-year-old. I got mouths to feed. I told you that in the first podcast. But what I will say is it jumps off the screen that Texas does not tackle well. Yeah, and – I think you make a great point. Like you're not saying Jalen Warren can, you're not making the comparison there, but in the terms of the missed tackles, I mean, if I'm looking at PFF right now uh, in their college advanced analytics, Bijan Robinson's number one in missed tackles forced number three, Jalen Warren. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a problem for mm-hmm. Texas. They're it, facing it, it, another very elusive, very strong back. And like you said, if they can't wrap up, it's going to be a problem. Well, and then you start to factor in, and we're, we're so keying on the run game here because I think you and I agree, Dustin, that th- this is the one area. Ultimately, like there are a lot of people saying this is a bad matchup for Oklahoma State, right? Casey Thompson, Bijan Robinson, um, Xavier Worthy, like some, some difficult matchups on, on, on defense, and I, I will agree with that. But you start looking at what Oklahoma State has going for them consistently right now, and that's the run game. And you look at where Texas weakness is consistently on defense. And it's that inability to tackle at the point of attack. And I guarantee you Sarkeesian's talked about it all week. He's shown him film. You're going to get a pissed off Texas or you're going to get a lackadaisical Texas. You could have seen their spirits broken. There's been a lot of talk this week about the spot that Oklahoma State is getting Texas in. I tend to agree that it, it doesn't suck to get a, uh, a, a, you know, heartbroken Texas at home at 11 a.m. But the matchup is the matchup. And what I saw on film is, is just that, Dustin. You've got a, a possibility where, again, I, I don't think they're going to go with the Boise State approach. They're not going to throw Spencer 13 times, run him 20, Jalen 35 carries. I don't see that. I don't think you can beat Texas that way. But I think a healthy, consistent dose of, of even some zone read concepts that maybe we've held in the bag uh, – 
I, I'm excited to see what Oklahoma State does on the ground because I think there's a real opportunity for them there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I that's the key. I mean, that's the main key to the game for Oklahoma State. <laughs> well, <laughs> podcast over. Uh, this has been a great show. No, <laughs> it's it's amazing that that that's the thing. I mean, it just seems obvious to me. But you know, pivoting off of that, Dustin. I mean, we can beat that horse till it's dead, and we might have already done so. But even beyond that, what are what are some of the things that you've seen? Maybe maybe in some of your film review and some of your stats. What are you seeing about this game? And, you know, we can talk about it offense, defense. What are yeah. you seeing right now? So, yeah, for Texas's offense, I was able to go back and watch a few games. I tried to stick to the ones where uh, Casey Thompson was playing. He kind of took over um, at the quarterback position. You got to see him kind of show his stuff against OU this past weekend. He looked, thought he looked really good. Um, but, yeah, Steve Sarkeesian took over know him from Alabama, you know him from his USC days, you know him from uh, some other things that maybe we shouldn't talk about. And he, it, it's an RPO power run spread. It's almost, I would almost think of it really similar to what Oklahoma State likes to do. They like to go 11 and 12 personnel heavy. I was able to track from the TCU and OU game. They really mainly based out of 11 and 12. They do some 20 person and that 11, 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, three receivers, 12 personnel is one running back, two tight ends. And then you go 20, that's two running backs, no tight ends. Kind of go from there. Uh, they went 21 personnel. They even do some weird things like 23, some 13, some 10 in passing situations, but really 11 and 12. And kind of back to my point, they like to do what Oklahoma State does. They have their, we call it the cowboy back. It's just their tight end. They like to line him at, up in the H-back position, kind of looking like a wing back, and use him in their split zone concepts. They run a lot of split zone. Basically what that means is the offensive line's flowing one direction, blocking outside zone, or they're kind of flowing vertical for inside zone. And the cowboy back is on one side, or the tight end in Texas case, and he's coming across the formation blocking. Just kind of throws some misdirection. Um, you're able to kind of do some different things off of that, like play action, a bluff play where he'll fake that block and can block around for the quarterback. A lot of things they can do off of that, but their zone scheme is their bread and butter, similar to Oklahoma State. They crushed OU on outside zone. They carried it 12 times for 122 yards, 10.2 yards a carry in one touchdown. Uh, they ran it out of the 11 or out of 12 where they had two wing backs. And they like to do a lot of stuff. Um, out of that 11 and 12 personnel. They, they also run what's called duo. It looks really similar to inside zone. It's kind of where the offensive linemen focus on their double team blocks, kind of leave the responsibility making the seven, second level guy miss uh, up to the running back. So you'll see that too. It's really hard to distinguish that from inside. Well, it's hard for me to distinguish that from inside zone. So it'll look like inside zone to you. So it's a lot of zone, a lot of zone running game. Um, and then what they do, you saw it against OU. Once they get that running game going, they're going to set you up with the deep ball. They're going to play action. And Thompson, he was a little shaky on the deep ball at the when he first started coming in in the starting quarterback position. But man, he's been nailing it lately. And he's going to get a lot of man to man matchups because Knowles is going to play man coverage. And Jarek Bernard Converse and Christian Holmes, Corey Black, Jabbar Mohammed, those guys are going to have to be on their A game because. It's going to be them versus Texas's receivers and guys like Xavier Worthy, who gets a lot of comps to Deshaun Jackson, which mm. if that tells you anything, he's very fast. 
very you shifty. Don't love, you don't love to hear that. <laughs> He's a little bit bigger. So they do they do have some injuries on offense. They lost their guard, their right guard, Okafor, uh, in the TCU game. He's out. And they lost uh, Jordan Winnington, their wide receiver, who's their second leading receiver. So he's out. They lost him in the OU game. Uh, they struggle a lot at both tackles. Their left tackle, Jones, has a lot of issues. They were both struggling with OU speed rush off the edge. But, I mean, it, I'll be remiss if I, can, if I don't talk about Bajan Robinson. And he's what they do on offense. He's impossible to tackle. He's very fast. He's very strong. If he can get a cutback lane on those zone running plays, he's, I mean, he's probably getting a first down. The dude's yeah. an absolute freak. And then kind of the, the last guy I'd want to touch on before we kind of dive a little bit deeper into it, uh, Brewer, the tight end, number 80, and Wiley, number 18. Those are their two tight ends. Uh, they don't really throw it to him a lot. I think they have a total of like six or seven receptions. But those guys are heavily involved in the blocking scheme. Uh, think of them like a Braden Cassidy, but Brewer is – I mean, he's a solid blocker. Uh, he would be great in Mike Gundy's offense. Um, they'll do some fly sweep stuff, even where they hand it off to the wingbacks sometimes, the H-backs, some jet motion. But really, that's it. It's it's not a super complex offense. They want to set up the play-action deep ball, and they want to do it by running zone. And if you're playing a lot of man and Thompson has to drop back, like OU made him do in the second half, they're going to throw some man-beaten routes. They're going to throw a mesh at you. They're going to try to throw some uh, some switch release stuff, trying to get worthy on a real route down the sideline. All of Thompson's completions pretty much come either in the middle of the field or deep outside the hashes. That's kind of where his go-to is. And, and I don't see them changing that game plan against OSU. OU played a lot of man. OSU's going to play a lot of man. I don't see why they'd switch anything up. They've kind of showed their hand against OU I don't think they'd be holding anything back like you would against an early season opponent so OSU's got the film on them they just you know they got to lock in and play you know there's there's a ton to unpack there you know you you almost ended with Bijan Robinson and I, and I start with him because you you nailed it he's he's how they get the entire offense set up because they're setting you up for that play action and, and I saw what you saw in that the offense that Texas runs is not overly complicated. Um, there's a lot of these deep dragging crossing routes where they're, they're protecting well, but they're moving the pocket where Thompson can, can almost roll out of the pocket, but can set his feet and hit either Worthy or Whittington, who's unfortunately not going to be playing in this game, um, on one of those deep drag routes outside of the hashes. Um, so long developing plays and against an aggressive style of defense like Oklahoma State's, that can either bend or break you or it can, it can make or break you. It's not bend or break. It can make or break you because you can either get after him or your defense can break down on the back end. And, and we've seen it a couple of times this year. It happened twice against Baylor. Um, some deep plays, especially down the seam. Um, that Oklahoma State seems to be susceptible to. I don't know what the scheme is on that, what's causing that, but it's one thing that I'm going to be watching for, especially as as you said, Dustin, as we see a lot more man coverage in this game. Um, you know, one thing that I, I noted in, in re-watching the um, Red River shootout was it, it was almost always what the long deep pass was for Texas was a broken man coverage or just a receiver running past a corner. And I don't know if that's just poor secondary play. It is uh, from OU's part, but it's also <laughs> there's an athletic deal there as well. And you, it's just sometimes it's Jimmy's and Joe's. And so obviously Oklahoma State's going to have to figure out a way 
to keep things in front of them. But don't be surprised if, if even if Oklahoma State's defense plays well, if you see one, two, even three, four, or five plays deep down the field, because that's really what Texas is trying to do. Yeah, and you can kind of play them. Um, you can play them two ways. You could do like what Iowa State might do, rush three, drop everybody into coverage, try to make them beat you underneath. Or you can do, I think, what OSU is going to do and play them tight. Tight name coverage. And you kind of hit on it just a second ago, and, and we saw it against OU. The reason why Texas was able to just run it down their throats early is with that misdirection, with that jet sweep motion, with that H-back tight end coming across on the split zone and the line going the other way, they were able to get OU's second-level players, their linebackers, guessing – and by the time they knew which way the play was going, there's a guy on a blocking. Yep. And they and if you give B. John Robinson any cutback lane, he's taking it. So OSU has got to be mentally sound. They can't get lost in the eye candy. It's going to be huge, huge for the linebackers, the safeties coming up in the run game, to be able to fit, make a play, wrap up, don't go at him with your shoulder and try to take out his legs. You're going to have to wrap him up. And sometimes he may fall forward, but look, that's better than him busting out some of the runs he did against OU for 60 yards. So it's, it's going to be a challenge for the defense. And then, like you said, with the secondary, Baylor should have hit on a couple more of those play action passes and they could have made OSU pay for all those turnovers. And Thompson's going to be accurate. He was really accurate against OU on those deep balls. And I, I don't see why he would regress any. He's kind of coming into his own now on those passes. And we're just going to have to cover well because it's going to be one-on-one. You can't make a false step against these guys because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get you to bite, and they're trying to hit you over the top. And then outside of that, kind of like we touched on, you got to be able to play the RPO stuff well that Sark likes to throw in. They love that zone slant RPO. They're definitely going to go to that a few times in this game. And you just – you got to play it soundly. You got to confuse Thompson, got to make him hesitate. You got to get to the quarterback. I, I think we're going to see Knowles bring some pressure because when OU was able to do that, Thompson, he got, he got a little erratic. He, he, he yeah. did hold his own. He did play pretty well against some pressure, but looking it up on PFF, obviously his completion percentage drops down close to 50 when I think it's around 73 when he's not pressured, when he's not blitzed. So you we'll know, see some pressure I- from Knowles. I, I was trying to figure out which defense I compare Oklahoma State's more to. You look at what Texas did against TCU, where they're putting up 32 points. They they look efficient at times, and it also looks like T- TCU caused some confusion. Um, several drives that ended not at uh, third and two, but third and 20. So clearly there's a way to slow them down. Um, and, and then you look at what they did against OU, put up 38 first-half points. Um, and you have to wonder what what broke there, what changed, and and some of that you know could be the avalanche of just momentum in a rivalry game, um, where I think part of this went wrong for OU in the first half, and and this is not an Oklahoma podcast, so don't cancel me and don't turn me off, but where I'm headed with this is is OU their you know their stupid trademark of of this speed D thing, and they run around like they're crazy at times and they can be extremely undisciplined where they're they're really not even focused on a on an assignment 
or, or a gap, so to speak, they're, they're uh, running around with their hair on fire. They've obviously got a plan, but at times it can be so aggressive where they get completely out of position. And you see what you saw on the first play of the game. One safety makes a wrong angle and it's a 75 yard bubble screen to the house. And I think about that in relationship to what Oklahoma state does on defense where they are aggressive, but they're, it's a calculated aggression. Um, and, and I don't believe that Jim Knowles is going to roll out this, this run around with your hair on fire speed defense. I think they respect the, or at least they should. If I was in the booth, I would put a lot of respect on what they can do with Bijan Robinson. And, and honestly, you know, you talked a lot about the eye candy, Dustin, it's almost every play. It looks like they're bringing somebody in motion to hold that edge um, to it. Cause if they give it to Robinson, all he needs is, is a split second and he's got to step on somebody. My dad and I were sitting here watching the, the, that game and it's, he is full speed by the time he reaches the line of scrimmage. And so if they can just hold you for a split second with some of that eye candy um, I mean, he can be past you. So it's crucial that Oklahoma state's disciplined in their assignments, but um, you know, I, I, I tend to think Oklahoma or Texas offense in general looks a lot more like they did against TCU and, and Texas tech than they did last weekend where they're just all over the place with, with these deep passes, these deep bombs. I think they want to be more methodical um, and then hit you over the top. I told you last night, they're kind of like a pro style with some spread, obviously uh, with a spread, like, um, you know, facade, everything is a spread. Yeah. But they're they're really trying to beat you over the top with the play action. So, anyway, that that's how I see this game. I really think uh, not stopping Bijan Robinson, um, but containing him and being disciplined on defense is is where you go. I'll leave you with this last stat, Dustin, and then I'll turn it to you for your final thoughts on the offense. Bijan Robinson has only been held under 100 yards one time this entire season. Can you guess what game that was? I'm not sure. It's Arkansas. It was the bludgeoning that took place in Fayetteville. Um, and I think it was a bludgeoning because of what they were able to do to take away really their entire focus and identity on offense. I don't think Oklahoma State does that, but I think this is the best defense that Texas will have seen from that point. Yeah, no, I, co I completely agree with everything you said. I don't think I don't think Knowles is going to change anything. I think he's going to try to stop the run. And I think he's okay with his guys being in one-on-one -on -one coverage on those deep passes. And we'll see what happens. Um, I favor Oklahoma state in that matchup. They're, they're very experienced on defense and I don't think Knowles is scared. I, I think you might see some different, some different movements in the secondary to try to confuse Thompson a little bit, maybe throw some zone at him here and there. Cause we've seen Oklahoma state go to some zone coverages, but overall, I think Knowles is going to roll with what he's been rolling with. And I think he's going to send some pressure and I don't think he's scared. I don't think anybody on that Oklahoma state defense is scared. And I hope you're right. We've seen Thompson at times get happy feet back there. If Oklahoma state's able to get pressure, this could get interesting. Um, so that's our, that's our thoughts on the offense. We are on, on Texas offense. We, we might as well be hosting a uh, sec podcast. We just <laughs> opened up previewing the Oklahoma state defense. You and I, when we were doing three years worth of podcasts, did that ever happen? Ever? Back, at, back in 2015 to 18? We talked so much offense. So much. So offense. much. Yeah. I, we, to the point where I'm like, I'm not even sure what I'm talking about on defense. I'm like, I'm still, it's like 
my offense, I, I've seen so much. I'm like, I've got a master's degree in defense. I'm like writing with crayon with my offhand. Like, well, that, that's one thing I love about being able to do this podcast is, you know, I just kind of running out of time writing. I'd love to write about the defense, but I was mainly sticking to the offense first. Um, and now, you know, get to go back and watch, talk about it with you. So the defense is so much fun to watch. So um, it, it really is. To, did you want me to kick off Texas defense? Yeah, I think so. So Texas defense, they've got like seven dudes that are defensive coordinators. So they've got they've got Pete uh, Pete Kudakowski, defensive coordinator and outside linebackers. They've got Jeff Choate. He's co-defensive coordinator and inside linebackers. And then they got Terry Joseph from Notre Dame. He's the defensive passing game coordinator and the secondary coach. So they've got three guys out there. Uh, Kudakowski, I think, is the main guy. I think he's really kind of drawn up the schemes. They're sticking with what he did, I believe, at Washington, where he was before. Um, and he's actually worked with Choate before. I think they were together at Boise State. But what they do, that you'll see them – it, it's going to look a lot like three down. They're going to be in a lot of three down. They will go four down, but what they kind of base out of is a two, four, five nickel package with just two down linemen, which is pretty interesting. I believe they call it uh, their peso package. Um, oh. And that's what, that's what they like to run at with their Jack linebacker on one side and then their X backer on the other, but they're going to be without their main Jack guy with Jacoby Jones going down. And that's going to be trouble for them because he's a big part of that. I think he had close to 20 tackles, two tackles for loss, and he just causes havoc at that jack spot. It's like a defensive end linebacker hybrid, and he fit great there. So they're going to have to move some guys around. Then they've got their linebackers. They've got their uh, nickelback or their Sam linebacker, depending on what they're doing, run play, pass play, free safety, strong safety, and, and both their cornerbacks. Um, they'll also go to tight front, like we've seen from Iowa State, where they have the three defensive linemen kind of crowded up by the center, try to clog the middle and spill things to the outside. And then they'll go with their 46 defense, which I'm pretty sure they were running when Caleb Williams broke that really long run. It's kind of like a almost like a goal line look. Uh, got a lot of guys up close to the line. And you can get some one-on-one -on -one matchups out of that. I'm not sure how much we'll see that. And they don't actually blitz a ton. They've been doing some zone blitzing. Um, I'll put out a video on Twitter later of a zone blitz that got them a turnover against TCU, but not a ton of blitzing. Uh, Kudikowski kind of likes to bring the just kind of bl – his blitz is four because he's normally just bringing three. So I, I don't know how much they'll switch it up. I know – I know they probably should have got more pressure on Caleb Williams in that OU game. So maybe they'll bring some more heat, but he's been pretty conservative from the games I've seen in that fact. And then from just kind of what I've read about him in the past in coverage, they basically stick in quarters and match cover three, which is going to look like man and zone at sometimes because they will press their corners on those. And it's really a zone where they're padding matching. So what that means is when a receiver is in your zone, you're locked on a man. You're not kind of sitting back in the zone in like a basketball stance. He's your man when he's in that zone until you have to pass him off to somebody else. So it's going to look like man. It's going to look like zone at times, but it's basically just those two coverages. And I think Oklahoma State's going to be able to exploit some things there, get some deep balls, look at Tay Martin deep, look at Owens deep, look at Bray deep. I think they're going to be able to hit a couple of those if Sanders can be accurate down the field, but they will get some one-on-one -on -one matchups downfield. Um, other than that, I mean, it's, it's not as simple. It's not really a simple defense, but they don't do a ton of craziness. They will try to disguise some stuff. 
I know Ian Boyd that writes for uh, Inside Texas, he calls their quarters vision quarters. And what that means is they're basically normally in a really deep too high safety look, trying not to get beat over the top, over the middle. And what that causes and what you saw in the second half against OU is those safeties aren't able to get up and fit in the run game very quickly. So OU was able to run their GT counter play, like I mentioned earlier, and just kind of bash them because if they, if you can get Texas's second level guys, those that Mike will and Sam linebacker are their nickelback guessing going the wrong way, flowing with the eye candy, flowing with the misdirection, you can hit them on the other side. And by the time the safeties get there, you've got a seven, eight yard gain. So that's what I'm going to think Oklahoma state's going to try to exploit, exploit, especially with Jones down. They might have a little bit more time in the pass rush, but um, we'll see. They've been decent in the red zone. So I'd like to see what Oklahoma state can do their finishing drives, but that's, that's what I saw from their defense. Not a, not a ton of just craziness. And I do love the two, four, five though. I do love the two stand up ends with the two down guys in the middle. I do like to watch that. So we'll see, but I think it's almost a too many kicks cooks in the kitchen situation, but I don't think they can change it now. I think their, their best bet is to just keep practicing this defense, the two I look and, you know, just recruit for it in the future. But I would be shocked if they went a lot of single high and brought, a, brought the safeties down to the box, kind of some stuff similar that you see Knowles do. I would be shocked. I think it's going to be what we've seen from them. It's, it's a great breakdown because uh, it's, it's what I was noticing but the way you said it in that it looks like man, but it's, it's, it's generally not um, because what they love to do, I mean, they've got athletes all over the place. This is Texas, right? But what they love to do is let DeMarvian Overshone hang out in the middle of that defense and run sideline to sideline, trying to make a play um, on, on either on an outside zone or a, an inside pass that he's there. He's really the focal point of that defense. And getting him caught up in the mess is going to be really important. Um, and, and I don't know how Oklahoma State does that. Again, as you broke that down, Dustin, and based on what we said earlier about the running game, this feels like a classic run-run pass type of offensive approach as we – as the more we talk about this. like, uh, And when I say pass, I mean draw-draw fade on the sideline like that's what it feels like and I think that I think there could be something to that this week they're going to have to be more um, explicit than that they're going to have to be more purposeful on offense but you talk about the opportunities that they're going to have Gundy's talked about it for 10 years 15 years now they're going to take what the defense shows them and if you're if you're telling me that Texas has not a simple defense but a um, a defense that has gaps but it looks complicated at times, which is what I noticed. That doesn't give me a ton of confidence in our quarterback, Spencer Sanders, being able to hang on to the football. So at that point, you, you heard Mike Gundy talk about this earlier in the week. Maybe they got to simplify some things. And he got a lot of flack for that comment. It may be exactly what you're saying, where uh, if, if they're looking exotic on defense and, and things look a little bit crazy back there, simplify it. And, and do what you're really good at, um, and, which is run the football inside and, and see what you can get on the outside. Um, this feels like an interesting spot for Brennan Presley as well. I can't, for some reason, I can't stop thinking that this is the matchup for him um, where, where they're able to exploit some things, especially deep down the seam. Um, I know they play that too high safety look, but part of me just feels like he's, he's due 
and is kind of the guy that nobody's talking about. And maybe they go as simple as run, run, pass, something of that nature with Tay Martin being the focal point, Blaine Green. Um, but we've seen them try. We've seen them try to be more than that. And um, I'll be curious to see. I don't know what they're going to do, but I'll be curious to see what the offense looks like uh, on Saturday for sure. I think one thing that we will see, kind of mentioning Brendan Presley, I, I think we see they kind of went away from it recently a little bit, but I think we see the wide receiver screens return. You get a little bit more space with both those safeties being that far off the ball. And I think if, if Tay, if Owens, if they can do a good – when they throw Cassidy out there, when he's split wide as the Cowboy back, if those guys can block that initial man, whether he's pressed or a little bit off in zone uh, and off coverage, and they can get Presley in space, I think he could gain some yards. And I think you can use that as another facet of the running game because, obviously, we talked about we're pretty much going to stick to zone, whether that's split, just straight up inside, just straight up outside. But I think that wide receiver screen game could be big. And I think one thing I know we talk, we're talking about OU beating them with the GT counter. OSU is probably not going to go heavy gap scheme, which would be the counter runs. I, I don't see them just completely switching their offense. We've set, we saw it from Sean Gleason, but it's not really Casey Dunn. They'll run a few plays. They'll run some power. But I think we see the backside quarterback running game added in. I think we see reads, which we kind of went – went away from. I think we see the replay. I think we see some design quarterback runs. Maybe we even see bash where the everybody's flowing one way. You got the quarterback going back the other way, the running back going back the other way. I think we see some of that. The, the one thing about the two high look is it keeps you balanced on defense. So they will have that additional guy to account for the quarterback, but I think it'll just add in some more eye candy. I think we see Braden Cassidy moving around a bunch in the backfield, moving from fullback to H-back to split out wide before the play. Warren moving around from the pistol to offset next to Sanders. I think we see pressing in motion. I think we try to do – TCU was using a lot of eye candy in their game. It works sometimes. It didn't work sometimes. But I think we see OSU do that because they've been doing it. They've been practicing it. I think I think we see a lot of motion. I think we see a lot – I think we see the wide receiver screens come back. And then to your point – all that's to set up the deep shots down the field. And I'm telling you, there's going to be some one-on-one -on -one looks. And even Tay Martin is going to get some one-on-one -on -one looks. And if he can beat his man and if Sanders can put the ball in the right place, I think we see some big plays down the field. Uh, I like the idea of uh, this being the Tay Martin game. I, I like that. I, I think he's, he's shown a lot so far, but it even feels like we haven't seen everything from him. Um, part, part of me wonders, you know, and I, and I hate the term vanilla on offense, especially when, um, you know, it feels like there's some intention to it. Um, they are simplifying things as the offensive line starts to gel. The quarterback's shown some issues at times. Um, but I can see a situation uh, in which, you know, they've they've put added some wrinkles in. They've they've mixed in some eye candy um, to free up Tay Martin because they're going to need him. Um, frankly, if, if you don't have that go-to receiver this week, um, I can see Oklahoma State having some issues, but um, they're going to need to be balanced. They're going to need to um, sustain drives, and I'll be interested to see how they do that. I, I think a lot of this is going to be on the legs of Spencer Sanders. You just mentioned it. I, I do think that's a huge piece of this, um, but – Again, I think if Oklahoma State can control the game and, and not turn the ball over, it, it's, it's hilarious that it always is going to come back to that, but it, it really is. There's not a team that Oklahoma State's going to play this year that they're just completely outmatched. 
Texas is probably the second best team on their schedule, and they can beat them this week with a clean game, um, just executing that game plan. And again, Dustin, you've talked you know quite a bit about some of the the areas that that we could see Oklahoma State exploit. Are there any final thoughts? You know, maybe some things that we didn't mention about the matchup in general, the X's and O's. I I guess the only thing, and I'm sure people are going to listen to this and be like, "You idiot! You should have said at the beginning." But I mean, Texas stuffed OU's outside zone game. So hopefully, hopefully, we'll have, but I think we run ours differently. We mix in the eye candy. We mix in the split zone. So I think it's different, but we're going to have Sound to up. do some things to open it up. We got to yeah. do the wide receiver screens. We got to add the quarterback run game in. Um, and we got to rely on our offensive line to get some push up front. And I think they'll be able to. Yeah, no, I love it, man. Well, uh, let's uh, let's end on this. What do you think? How do you feel about this game? What's your prediction? So I'm going to go 31-27 Oklahoma State. That feels awful similar to mine. I'm going <laughs> 27 to 20 Oklahoma State. Okay. I and think Oklahoma got- State. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say the spread, what is it, like five and a half, five now? Yeah, started at and six. The, and the over-under lines around 60? Yep, yep. Okay. I, I, to me, there's there's so much talk about Texas offense. We, we even mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, the spot that Oklahoma State's in th- this week. You you really couldn't draw it up any better. Um, you know, they're, they're catching Texas after – just an absolute, and I tweeted this, they're catching them after a soul-crushing loss. The, the type of loss that a, a poorly coached and managed team or a poorly led team, uh, you know, with, with, with no leaders in the locker room, that's the type of loss that can really send things in the wrong direction. And Oklahoma State's coming off a bye. Um, you know, we're not saying anything that hasn't been said already, but it's still worth noting that this is a, you couldn't draw it up better. You, re- you really could not draw it up better for Oklahoma State. And and Oklahoma State's getting some guys back. I mean, we didn't even mention it. Should see Brock Martin back this week. Um, I was told that Tyron Irby's practicing. We've got Desmond Jackson who might be back. I know he's not listed on the depth chart, but heard he might make it back. So Oklahoma State's gotten some guys rested off the bye week, and they're coming back almost full strength. or as full strength as they, as they can get without the guys that are out for the season. You've got John Paul Richardson. I know he's been a little banged up. You've got the Green Bros coming back. You've got Bray should be fully healthy now. Owens, Tay, you've got your full receiver core out there. You've got the offensive line with their continuity again. You've got, you've got the, like you said, the interior with Godlevsky, Sills, Woodard. Those guys have been crushing it in the run game. Uh, you've got Birmingham. You've got Springfield. You've, these guys have been playing. They've been practicing. They got a little break. Gunny let him go home and chill or whatever he was talking about in the presser. Um, and yeah, the, the, the defense is ready to go too. So I, I think we're going to see, uh, I think we're going to see a solid outing from Oklahoma state. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Like, you know, we always say we could be really wrong, but I, I'm pretty pumped for this game. As big a game as Oklahoma State's had uh, since the last time they played Texas, um, which is actually, uh, and as we as we kind of end this, uh, this this has a little bit of a revenge game feel to me. Uh, back last year, 
I've, I've never told the story, but my wife knows it well. I had COVID uh, actually during this game last year. So when uh-huh. Oklahoma State hosted Texas, I, I had COVID. That. I was in the throes, uh, as, as it were. And um, that game, I've talked about it before on Twitter. Uh, that game is the one that broke me. Uh, because, you almost killed me. Uh, yeah, it gave me COVID. It, it, that game gave me COVID. Worse. Um, but it was actually one of the low points of my Oklahoma State fandom. I spiked a water bottle in my own house. And I'm not proud of it. Um, regretted it immediately. I had the lid on it for the record straight down on the ground as, as Sanders uh, gets sacked on fourth down lid pops off water everywhere. And I immediately regret it, but I'll tell you right now, I never forgot it and I won't forget it this weekend. Uh, this is a revenge game for me and I, and I'm out for blood personally. So I, I want Texas and I want Bevo. I want him yeah. on my wall. I mean, they might just win it for you. They <laughs> well, might go out and just win it for you. It's, it's the COVID <laughs> it's it's the Cade COVID anniversary game that's what we're calling it it's the Cade COVID I'll tweet that out no one will have any idea what I'm talking about but look yeah yeah no doubt um no I I love that I love I love that we're both pumped about it and um I'm a little sad this will be the first game I'm actually not going to be at in person Mm. I'm going to be at a one-year-old's birthday party she's absolute idiot for scheduling her birthday during that game but I'll forgive her. She's one. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I did, I did want to mention too, I know we're not wrapping up right this second, but normally that offense defense is going to be an Oklahoma state review from the previous game. And then Cade and I will hit on the opponent, but it probably, we probably won't go that in depth as the opponent every time, just with the bye week and it being such a big game and obviously coming off the OU Texas game, which was pretty, pretty exciting game to watch. We kind of just wanted to break Texas down. They kind of overhauled their whole coaching staff. So wanted to go into that a little bit, but just to kind of give you a heads up on the future, we'll do some review and then some preview, but we'll definitely spend a lot of time on the review because we know you guys came here for Oklahoma state and not for UT. And let's get real. Dustin and I have been foaming at the mouth for this right here. (laughs) This breakdown of Texas, is like a dog with a bone. Like we can't get enough breakdown of Texas. And frankly, uh, I'll so, be I'll be excited to see some different film next weekend. Yeah, <laughs> and and Texas is a good one to do it on too because you know Iowa State it's going to be, you know they've had the same defense now for several years. They've Purdy's been there for a while, so this was a fun one to just kind of dive into. Like like I was talking about, they have three defensive coordinators. You know, it's just interesting to kind of break a team down like that. So we'll uh, we did that for this one, and next time you'll get a you'll get a lot of Oklahoma State talking. Hopefully a lot of positive Oklahoma State talk. That's right. That's right, man. Well, it's it's been fun, and it was fantastic to break real football down with you again. I know we've been doing it over a beer in Boone Pickens Stadium, but to do it in this way and actually get down deep into it is fantastic, and it's been uh, missed. I'll actually be uh, not there this weekend as well. I'll be in Denver, uh, you know, Southwest Airlines willing. If I can if I can somehow make that flight and make it to Denver – uh, we're actually hey, going Fuller to made his today. So oh, did positives. he? Yeah. Okay. That's fantastic. Cause we're going to, we're actually going to Red Rocks on Saturday night. Oh, so nice. uh, yeah, we're going to go see Midland and uh, so Saturday oh, morning, cool. 10 AM bloody Mary's uh, Oklahoma state knocking off Texas and then go to Red Rocks in the evening. That's the, that's the goal. If, if I could that's, draw it up, that's jealous. how the day that's goes. Sick. So 
no, nah, man, it'll be great. And uh, yeah, great to talk to you again. A uh, little bit of housekeeping as we as we end the show. As Dustin said, this is going to look a little bit different week to week. Um, you know, you got a Texas heavy podcast this week, but next week we're going to break down what we saw in this game and then briefly touch on Iowa State. But if you're not following us on Twitter, you need to be. You need to follow us right now at Feels Like 45 Pod because not only are you going to get the two of us, uh, we're, we're fantastic content machines. Um, and, and we've that's self-proclaimed. Nobody's called us that. I'm calling us that. But I've called you're, us that. My, I think my mom also called yeah, us that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might have been left on a, on a review about us uh, back in the day. But go follow us on Twitter. Uh, also, uh, the thing to note about this particular podcast, you'll be able to find it on any platform that you listen to podcasts. We host it on Anchor, which you can actually leave us a voice message there. Uh, we've got several that we got to on the previous show, which was a blast. Um, but this will be hosted on Anchor, but you'll be able to listen to it pretty much anywhere you get podcasts, especially the big ones, Spotify, Apple. You'll be able to listen to it there. But most importantly, leave us a five-star review. We got to grow this show and we're growing it from the ground up. Um, and that's where we're at. Dustin, you had something to say? Yeah, I was just going to say kind of build and thanks for breaking that all down. It's perfect. Definitely follow us. Definitely subscribe. Um, like we haven't even talked yet. We're going to keep this going. This isn't just football. We're going to, Kate and I are very into basketball. Kate is very knowledgeable about basketball and basketball recruiting. So we'll I keep have a that chronic going. love for basketball. <laughs> and Kate and I actually attend some games together. So we'll probably do that this year and maybe have some fun stuff coming from that. But I did want to say, too, along with following the Twitter account, definitely do that. We're going to try to – some of the stuff we break down, it'll, it's going to be a little bit UT-centric this time, but normally it'll be Oklahoma State. But I'll get some stats out there. I've got some Oklahoma State breakdown stats from the Baylor game I'll put out there. And some of the stuff we talked about with Texas's offense and defense, I'll go ahead and put some of that stuff up just so you can kind of see what I was talking about their zone runs, their counter runs, how their defense stacks up that match three quarters. So I'll get all that out there either. Uh, I'll normally do it either the day after the pod or two days after, but definitely before Saturday. So be looking for that follow there. And uh, yeah. Thanks a lot, man. Well, it's been good talking to you uh, and we will catch up with you next week. Thank you for listening to the feels like 45 podcast. We'll talk to you then. See ya. Go Pokes. Symbol is a stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your team wins. Symbol has blended sports in the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams. So use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol is offering a very special giveaway to the 1012 Network and our podcast, Feels Like 45. Symbol is going to hold a drawing to give away two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice. And all you've got to do is sign up for Symbol and make a $25 deposit using promo code FEELS12 and you will be entered into a chance to win two tickets to your favorite team's game this season. Visit www.simbull.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, you better make sure to use that promo code FEELS12 and for a chance to win two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice, visit www.symbol.com, S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com, and use the promo code FEELS12 and start investing in your favorite teams.